You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? It is episode 50. Holy crap. It feels like just yesterday or 50 days ago, since this is a daily podcast. I, uh, you know, excited for, you know, this episode, you know, I love our discord community and I just want to give a you know, huge shout out to everyone in there that is being vulnerable and being honest with like asking, you know, questions that are confusing. I will say, you know, I, I did four podcast interviews today where I was being interviewed all around NFTs. And it's funny because all four of them, they had had other people on to talk NFTs and they didn't really understand like the use cases and the value. And they, I said, after I was done, they, you know, they were kind of impressed or blown away. And I, you know, I like to say like, part of that is, you know, I think for so many, not only can you get stuck in like the vernacular or the repeating of things, but it can also become very echo chamber like and we can assume that people know everything and understand everything that is going on in the in the nft space but i i want to say that that's not the case and things are, are often changing but also it is it is complex and when you're you're listening and you're learning uh you know out of the start i think part of it is just you want to understand like what is all involved understand some of the other aspects but then once you understand that you're now like wait, where do I get started? Like, what do I do next? Like, what are these like basics that like I need to now implement? So for episode 50, we're going to slow down to speed up. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through some of like the, the terminology and some of the, um, like the nuances of NFTs, um, from getting started to some of the things that you're going to want to think about. And, uh, I will, I will just say like, you know, my focus here is I don't think it's bad to you know go over some of these things. I will I'll touch a little bit on security. I'll touch a little bit on you know the difference between an exchange and a marketplace. I'll talk a little bit about the difference between um, minting an NFT and buying one on the secondary market. Uh, I'll talk a little bit of difference between like you know transferring an NFT. So I'm, I'm just gonna kind of go through these things now. Uh, but I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in for you know these 50 uh, episodes. And I'll tell you that you know the the project that I'm going to give a highlight real quickly here on this first segment on, you know, I'm highlighting a project every um, kickstart, you know, is I really like some creative projects that are doing things that no one else has or really pushing the envelopes of what's possible in the metaverse. And I'll tell you, there's a project called uh, the the Fabulous Sand Vegas Casino Club, um, which is an NFT project. And um, I will tell you, you know, for me, the metaverse still seems a little bit... Um, Let's just say out there. Uh, I do, you know, uh, play in the metaverse. I actually did a meeting in the metaverse earlier today. Um, I'm I'm active, but I am, you know, I do believe like for us to like fully live or to to um, implement over there, we have to kind of first understand like crypto and NFTs and the coins. So I don't play a lot over there, but um, this San Vegas Casino one, you know, they they're doing, um, you know, 
about you know 200 different traits on their NFT collection. Um, and the neat part about it is they're doing, of course, the the newest latest trend is tokenomics, which is like giving out uh, their tokens um, as kind of like a continual monetization play for you know if you if you're holding the NFT. You're going to make money and, you know, a percentage of it. But I think, you know, part of the other thing that is neat about this is, you know, they're adding some like Vegas style features, both online and offline. And they're also including things um, like monetizing land, uh, blackjack and poker tournaments, baccarat uh, tournaments. And I'll say there's a there's an NFT uh, project coming out with uh, crypto uh, crypto poker um, that'll be coming out in January that I will highlight as well later on. But yeah, shout out to this project. I just like that it's um, a little bit different and a little bit more creative. And just the whole that whole concept of that is pretty interesting. So now let's just jump into it. So I'll tell you, you know, the first where I wanted to start was, you know, I, I use the word minting an NFT every single day. And then I, I tell you guys that I minted an NFT for this podcast that you can purchase. And I can understand why that is a little confusing. Minting of an NFT is actually the the concept of it is the stamp onto the blockchain for the very first time. So as a creator, when you create the NFTs, the people that purchase them will mint them onto the, the blockchain in many cases, or you as a creator can mint them on the blockchain onto OpenSea and then you can sell them from there, right? So that's kind of that, that nuance. But when I'm referring to minting an NFT every day for a year, what I really mean by that is I am purchasing an NFT prior to anyone else holding it. And in most cases, almost all cases, hold, uh, I'm minting it, pri- I'm, I'm buying it prior to me seeing the art that I'm actually getting, especially when these, most of these projects are generative art. Now, you might be like, what does generative art mean, Brian? What that means is that the, a, when you are creating these projects, what you do is you upload the base layer of art, right? Like, let's just say, um, I'll use, for example, the bear, right? We have the, the bear. We, you upload a basic bear. And then you upload layers, different colored bears, different backgrounds. Then you upload all of the different possible traits that are available for these bears, And then what the code, the computer code does, how that works is the computer code then randomly generates the different, um, you know, pieces of art, all 10,000 of them using those properties. So that's generative art. And so when you are minting an NFT, what you're doing is you're buying like a, you know, it's kind of like part of the reason I like it is you're kind of like buying a, you know, a a pack of one baseball card, right? And you, 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 you have no idea what's in there, but it could be the best rookie card, the best card you've ever received, or it could be a no-name person that is just, you know, the basic level. But by doing so, you're, you're, you're kind of taking that bet. Now, most of the projects are, they put out a mint price, which means that is how much everyone will pay for those first 10,000 that they purchase on the website. Once the 10,000 are gone, there are no more mints available. You can no longer buy a minted version of that NFT. You have to go onto the secondary market, which is something like OpenSea or Rarible. And the thing about that is the secondary market, like one of the biggest differences is if you look at the ownership, if you go down to the bottom of an NFT, it'll say, it'll say like minted null, and then it'll say the person that owned it first. If you're the second person that owns the NFT, your name will go now on the second line of that ownership. And so that's, that's kind of like the, the nuance there. Now, I will tell you, 
you know, the advantages and like we've discussed kind of the advantages and you guys can go back and listen to a couple of those episodes. But, you know, minting the idea of minting an NFT, like I believe in the future, we're going to see people rewarded for being on that mint, right? Like right now you're not rewarded other than the fact that you have a chance to get a really rare one. But, you know, if you're buying on the secondary market, most people when they're selling it are going to have a general idea of what that they think it's worth based on if it's rare or if people like that, that um, you know, what, what the art actually looks like. And so what I, what I will tell you is that, you know, you're going to oftentimes spend a little bit more money um, on secondary, but you're going to have a, a high likelihood of understanding what is it that you're actually buying? Like what is the, the rank of the art and, and, and those things. Now, I just said the rarity level, and you might be like, okay, Brian, you have to explain that too. So I'm going to break that down. Rarity is based, I, I explained we have these generative art pieces, right? So the founders don't even know what the, the it's going to be generated, right? Like they're, they're going to generate all of these random um, you know, art pieces, 10,000 of them. And then the way that the rarity is actually classified is based on that trait, how many other of the NFTs in that collection have those same traits or those combination of traits. And so like, for example, you know, if, if one has like the uh, 3d sunglasses and out of 10,000, only a hundred have 3d, the 3d glasses, that is a rare trait. Therefore, if you have your, your NFT has that rare trait it's going to be more valuable because there's not many of them that actually exist. Now those rarities can also come in the form of, how many properties you might have. Maybe your bear that we use as an example only has a hat on. There's no other property. Well, not only, let's, let's just say the hat is normal, right? 50% of them have a hat on it. But only 1% are, are pieces of art that only have one property on them. Well, now it's rare because it only has one property, right? So the rarities here can really fluctuate. And I will tell you, like, that's what I was explaining on a, on a prior episode. I play a lot in understanding all of those properties. And if you want to see the properties, like after the, the project is um, sold out, if you go to OpenSea, you go to the collection, and let's say you click on the collection, I'll, I'll use uh, Crypto Dads as an example. If you go to Crypto Dads on OpenSea, and you click on, just pick one of the, the, the crypto dads, and then you scroll down the left-hand side, you're going to see a list of all of the different uh, properties that exist for that actual open, that, for that, that property, the actual NFTs. And what's neat about that is you can then click on the properties and say, show me all of them for sale that have a backwards hat. Or you could say, show me all of them that have a green background, whatever it may be. Now, here's the caveat. If all of the NFTs have not been minted or added to OpenSea, those percentages are only the percentages of the ones that are actually bought. Does that make sense? So in a project, like I, I, I like getting into projects that are not sold out, that are, are slow to grow. But when I get in there and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have a 0.001% trait of this NFT. And, but there's, and there's 6,000 of them that are out Here's the thing that we don't know. We don't know that of the 4,000 that are left to be generated, what if 50% of them have that same trait? Well, now the trait that I so thought was so prized is not very prized. So the gamble comes into play when you're betting on the unknown. And I think that's why I, it's, it's where I've made the most money. I mean, I've made you know, over $30,000 this week betting on the unknown on projects and then flipping the project. Uh, and I'll do a, a future episode on that. 
So now we talk generative. So you know, you can buy a mint an NFT and it's going to cost you Ethereum, Ether or Solana, wherever you're at. Almost all projects cost you money. I will tell you, I have gotten to a couple of free mints, um, but I haven't seen many of them lately. Um, they, if, if it is a free one, they'll actually, uh, you know, charge you gas uh, transaction fees as well. Now, the the other thing about this is many of you are like, hey, well, but Ryan, like, I, I want to get in now, but like, do I need like a Coinbase downloaded? Like, what do I need? And so here, I'm, I'm going to kind of break it down for you. What you need is you need an ex- a crypto exchange that allows you to take money from either your bank, your credit card, your PayPal, whatever it may be. Maybe your um, you know, maybe you already have some crypto somewhere else, and you need to you need to actually exchange that or convert that into the actual um, crypto that is needed to buy the NFT. So like I use Coinbase. I'm a huge fan of Coinbase. Most of you know that. Like I've, uh, I'm not paid or promoted. I don't have a link or anything for you. I just really like it. Um, it connects to my Wells Fargo bank. It connects directly to my PayPal. Uh, connects. You know, I can move things in and out very seamlessly. Uh, you, when you first sign up, your first one or two um, deposits will be on hold for a little bit of while. So be aware of that. I know some people will like wait to deposit money to the day that they want to buy their first NFT, and then it says, you know, you cannot do anything with this for seven days, and it can be very frustrating. Frustrating, so just be aware of that. So now that you got your money from like your bank or your card into crypto, now you actually need to move it into a wallet. Now a wallet really is simply it is the 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 place that your NFTs will actually be you know, where they will live. It is the place that will they'll be it'll be their home, but it is also the place that you connect to verify and validate everything you're doing. So like traditionally we would we would sign in with our email address and our phone number for all of our accounts. Rather than doing our email address and phone number, what we do is we sign in with our wallet, which I most of you know MetaMask is the wallet that I prefer. Um, I have tried eleven of the different wallets. Uh, Rainbow Wallet is is a pretty nice wallet, except it's mobile only right now. Um, MetaMask is nice because they have a browser plugin, and then they have the option on your phone as well. And so what you can do is you'll create the account. It's going to have you go through a series of things. It's going to have you create a password. And then this is where it gives you that seed phrase that I keep talking about. And really what that is, is it's 10 words that are a unique combinations of words that are only that are unique only to you. Now, that is the phrase that I've told you that you should put in a secret, you know, a safety deposit box. You should write it down or, you know, people even, you know, carve it into a piece of metal. So just in case like their house catches on fire, because here's the thing. If your laptop all of a sudden dies and that was the only place, like you stored your seed phrase on that laptop and you cannot get anything off of that laptop and you do not know that series of words, you cannot install that wallet anywhere else. Let me say that again. If So like this is why it's important to have that offline disconnected. Now I will say, I'm not going to scare you on that part, so... So once you have a wallet, right, so you're going to go through it. And so the wallet can be a browser plugin in Chrome and it can be on your phone. The thing you have to remember is because these are decentralized, you when you take actions on your phone, the amount of money you have, like the amount of crypto you have in the wallet, that updates. But like your transaction history is stored on the device the transactions are made. So that's another thing I know that can, can become a little bit confusing. So what can happen? So what happens now is you have your... You have your crypto in your exchange and you're going to send it to your wallet. Now, here's the thing. You're like, well, how do I send it to my wallet? What's the email address? What's the, it's, it's called your, it's, it's your wallet address. Now, this is where people get scared because you're like, um, 
what, what do I do with my, like, I, I was told not to give them my seed phrase. These are completely different things. That seed phrase is the thing that MetaMask gives you and it, it, it'll tell you like, write all these down and they make you put them back in there, right? You're never going to be asked for those 10 words again, unless you're installing it on another device. The thing that you can share publicly, mine is on my, my Twitter account. If you, if you want to send me um, ETH or you want to send me an NFT, if you're listening to this right now, you want to send me an NFT, you can send me an NFT at fanzo.eth because I have an ENS name, which kind of like shortens my, my, my actual wallet ID. But that wallet ID is actually at the top of the MetaMask. And you, when, so if someone says, like, I, I've said this for everyone that bought a, uh, one of our NFTs to support our project, I'm like, please send me your wallet address. And what that is, is that's that hash that you can just copy and paste it from your, so you click on your browser extension and at, you know, after your browser extension opens up on the top, it's going to say like the name of your wallet. And then you're just going to select uh, you're going to select the, you know, just going to click on it and it's going to say copied. And then once you've done that, now you're good to go. Now you can actually give that out to anyone. That's how people, that's how we transact between wallets. So that's how I like send things to wallets. Now you're not going to have to send that to anyone when you're buying an NFT or minting an NFT, because what we do is we connect our wallet to the website. What that does is that we have to like sign, it, it was referred to as signing. What it means is you're saying that I approve my wallet being having access to this website. Now, it does not mean that that website has access to everything in your wallet. It just means that they've created a handshake between those two um, you know, entities. And therefore, when you buy an NFT or when you mint an NFT, it'll automatically be sent to your wallet. So now if we go to a website and you're like, hey, I want to mint the NFT, it's going to say connect your wallet and you're going to click the button that little pop-up window is going to come down. Or if you're using the mobile ones, you can connect on and you can say uh, wallet connect and it's going to pop up with a QR code. And then you just use the mobile one and you scan the QR code and then it connects um, via the, the, the taking the picture of the QR code. But let's say you're using the browser one, right? So you now you sign it and then it's going to pop up and say the mint price is 0. 0.06. How many do you want to mint? You'll say one, two, three, whatever. So you say you want to mint one. You're going to click on that one and then the window is going to pop up again and it's going to say, this is the amount of one. It's going to say 0.06 ETH. And then it's going to say, this is what your gas fee is right now. And it's going to have a number, um, a, a dollar number of how much it's going to cost you for the transaction. Now, that number of how much your gas price is fluctuates every second, every minute, depending on how much traffic is on the network at that time. Right. So if there is not a lot of people using Ethereum, using the Ethereum blockchain um, and remember, Ether is the crypto. Ethereum is the blockchain. But that's just apples. Um, but so the gas price will actually be determined based on how much traffic is happening. So like when I have to move uh, NFTs between wallets, I have to do like basic tasks. I usually stay up till two o'clock in the morning and I do it when I know that like the UK is just getting up, but the, the US is pretty much going to bed and not many people are using um, the actual uh, blockchain at that time. And that kind of gives me like a little bit of a you know advantage of that. But so you'll see that gas fee. Now the gas fee will be the, the amount of gas that was what they referred to it as is it'll be what is suggested based on the contract for the website you're going to. Now you can, you can increase the amount that you're willing to pay and remember that keyword there is willing, 
or you could decrease it. Now, I don't recommend decreasing the suggested gas because it's highly likely that your your transaction will fail. But in some cases, like if I know a lot of people are jumping on it, I will actually increase the gas so that I have a higher likelihood of moving up for my transaction to be executed earlier than everyone else's. So now you look at the gas fee and you look at the total cost. And if you have the that amount of um, Ether in your wallet, you're going to hit mint or you're going to hit convert confirm. And then what happens is it pops up and there's a little wheel that will be spinning. And what it's doing is it's checking the blockchain and saying, I have this wallet that wants to buy this from this address. It's going to check and say, hey, is there are there any left on this original contract? If there are, it's going to allocate one to you. But now it's going to wait for a slot on the blockchain for that transaction to actually be executed on. So it takes a couple seconds, sometimes you know a little bit longer. And then it'll pop up and say confirmed. Now, It'll say confirmed and that money will go out of your, uh, you'll see the, like the, how much ETH you have. It'll disappear how much ETH you have that you just spent. And the website will say, thank you. And now you're like, well, Brian, where do I get my NFT? Where's it at? And like, oh, it's over on OpenSea. Actually, it's not. Where it is, is actually in your wallet. But what OpenSea is, is it's the most popular secondary market that allows you to see the NFTs that are in your wallet and sell them. So if you go over to OpenSea, what you're not creating an account on OpenSea, you're connecting your wallet and then you're kind of updating your settings on, over there on, on, on OpenSea. So here's, that's the process, right? You hit convert, the little wheel spins, you buy the NFT, you're like, okay, now what? You go over to OpenSea.io and you click on it and you say, you know, connect my wallet. It's going to, you're going to click MetaMask. It's going to tell you to sign it again, right? Because that's the, you're authorizing these two things to be connected. And then what you're going to see on that, that site is it's going to pop up with your NFT. Now, a lot of times it's going to pop up with just like this, like generic graphic. And you're going to be like, what? I thought I just bought this like amazing bear or I bought this amazing you know, piece of art. And why do I have the same picture as everyone else? Well, one of the trends is that they reveal the art later on. So rather than getting that instant satisfaction, which I like, where I buy something, I go over there and I see exactly what, 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 what did I luck out with? Oftentimes what they do is they try to delay that out to kind of create like a second layer of excitement. It also creates another part of the market because here's the thing. Between when you buy it and when you actually see the art that you get, you can actually sell the NFT. Kind of sounds wild, right? And in some cases, the the price before reveal will go up really high because if all of a sudden people are like, oh, I really want that and there's none available to buy, well, now people are going to try to buy it on that secondary market before they actually see the art. So you could actually buy it. Let's say you buy it for 0.07 and all of a sudden people are, are willing to purchase the ones before the reveal of the art for 0.14. You could double your money and just get out and not even worry about what your what, what your art piece is. I will tell you, I've never done that only because I'm like such an addict to like the, the that like the dopamine hit of like, what do I get? What do I get? What do I, and I like the idea of maybe I get lucky. Maybe I get a, a super rare version of the NFT or whatever that may be. And so, you, you know, during that time, you can just sit still. And then the day that it's revealed, oftentimes you have to go into your MetaMask and then you'll hit refresh metadata, which is like a little circle icon in the top right. And when you hit that, what it does is it goes back to the blockchain and says, hey, is there any art been updated to this uh, actual you know, NFT slot? And then all of a sudden your art will appear um, in your OpenSea account. Now, when you see your art there, you're like, okay, great, but what, what is it? How rare is it? What do, what do I even have? Well, the first thing you can do is you can scroll down to that left-hand side that I mentioned earlier, 
and you can look at your properties. And what's neat about that is OpenSea tells you what percentage of those properties are that you have, right? So I'm looking at one right now on my OpenSea, and it says I have the Surgeon Gloves, and 3% of the all of the collection have the Surgeon Gloves. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good uh, percentage. I will tell you, like, my, one of the things I look for is if I have one trait or one property that is under 1%, I know I have a super rare one inside of the top you know, one-third. Now, if I have like two or three that are inside 3%, okay, that's probably a decently rare one. But like the way that you pretty much can guarantee that you're in the top third of the collection is if you have less than 1% of like a trait. And I have that with you know some of my, the NFTs that I'm holding on to where it has, like my Mechaverse has the white eyes and it is a 0.09% of the collection have that actual trait. So for me, I'm like, all right, I know that's a super rare one. But so you can look at that or, or and, you can go to a site like rarity.tools or raritysniper.com and you can take the number of your NFT. So like next to the name, it'll say like your number 1384. You can go onto that site, click on the collection, type in your number, and it's going to tell you what the rarity is, like what, what number you are out of 10,000. So that's kind of like that rarity side. And so now you know, hey, now I have my NFT. I know if it's rare or not. And now it's yours. Now, if it, of course, if it gives you access to things, what you like, let's say it gives you access to a private Discord channel. Well, now that you have it in your wallet, you can open up Discord and you're going to go to Collab Land, which is what everyone's using, and you're going to click on the button and it's going to say, I'm going to open your browser and you need to connect your wallet. And so you're going to connect your wallet and click on MetaMask, you're going to sign again. And then what Discord does, and I just set this up in our Discord for this show, is it says, hey, is this collection, is there anything in this collection in this person's wallet? If so, give them access to these channels if they have it, right? So then you're going to, it's going to say, okay, you're going to go back in the Discord and then you should see different channels that are available now. Oftentimes they call them the holder channels, right? Like if you are holding this NFT, you have access to these channels. Now, of course, as soon as you sell that NFT, your access to those channels goes away. So like that's how you now you have the NFT. Now you might be like, well, Brian, how do I sell it? Like, do I have to go like back into my Coinbase and my wallet? No. So that's what these after these marketplaces are for. So you can go back into OpenSea, you can go back to your profile, click on your um, art, and then you can just click on the big blue button that's called Sell. Now when that pops up, you're gonna have a couple different options. It's gonna say fixed price or it's gonna say timed auction. I, I like the fixed price uh, as my favorite kind of uh, feature. I just don't like the, the auctions. Um, but then you can check the duration. And this is the thing. I, I hit it on last episode, but I'm going to hit it again. I always change the date range to either one day, three days, or a week. For whatever reason, by default, it is six months. And just so you know, if you put something for sale, it's going to cost you a transaction fee, usually of like $20, to turn, take it off sale, to change, to, or if you want to raise the price, it's going to cost you. If you want to lower the price, they don't charge you. So I always kind of change mine to one week. And then I decide, okay, what do I want to sell it for? Now, what you can also see on the screen is the fees that are involved. Now, OpenSea takes 2.5% every single time. But there's a, another fee that's often underneath it, which is called creator royalty. And this is the royalties that go to the creators every time something is sold. You might have heard uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's been talking about he's making a million dollars a day right now off of his NFT, but he sold it in May and June. 
but he's getting 10% every time someone sells one of his NFTs. It's automatic. There's nothing any of us can do about that. So you have to factor that into your price because if you know that there's 12% of this total sale is going to go not to you, you now have to factor that into, okay, I bought it for 0.07. I paid this amount in gas. Now, how much am I going to sell it for? And then you know, what do I want to sell it from there? So you pick the duration. Now, I will say under the timed auction, there is one where if you select method under timed auction, there's a, a feature called sell with declining price. I will say that's what I do. Um, what it allows me to do is I say, for the next seven days, I want you to sell, I want you to start at one ETH. And on the seventh day, I want it to end being able to be bought at 0.5 ETH. And so what it does is actually just slowly decreases the amount that it is for sale over those seven days. What I like to do with that is it, it then kind of walks the market, right? So if someone wants to buy it today, they, and, and here's the thing, no one knows that I have it on that declining scale. They just see it for sale for one ETH. But if they showed up tomorrow, it's going to be probably 0.98 ETH. They show up the next day, it's going to be 0.92 ETH. Now, I like doing that on projects that have heavy activity, because they're going to kind of people are going to jump on it. But if you just want to do, I, I would say I would just for most people, I just say stick with a fixed price. Um, I would you know get comfortable with like knowing that it sells. And the other part of this is that when if someone wants to buy it, they go and buy you know the NFT. You don't have to approve it, right? If someone's bidding on your NFT, you you have to approve it or you can counter offer. But if someone just buys your NFT that you have for sale, there's no, it's automatically gone. I've woken up many mornings where I'm like, it says, your NFT sold. I'm like, oh, I wonder which one NFT that was because I posted for sale. I could have posted for sale four months ago and today someone bought it and there's no, there's nothing I need to do on my end. That's kind of the beauty of the blockchain. So that's kind of the ecosystem. Now, I will say you can also like transfer NFTs, right? So if I want to send one of my NFTs to someone else, I can click on the transfer button. And then what I need is I need their wallet address or their ENS name. And remember, this is that wallet address that, you know, it seems scary to share it out, but it's not. There's nothing, you, nothing can go wrong by you sharing out your wallet address. But so if I wanted to send this, let's just say to Joseph Jaffe, uh, shout out to Joseph, um, I would just say, Joseph, send me your wallet address. He would text it to me. I would copy that into this, um, into this field, and then I would hit transfer. And it's going to pop up and say, are you sure that this is the, the person you want to transfer to? You want to make sure that, that you copy that number correctly. Because if you send it to a different wallet, there's no return, there's no eject, there's no bring it back to me. Once it's gone, it's gone. And so you're going to verify that's the right number. You're going to hit yes. It's going to pop up and say it, the, to transfer this, it's going to cost you $20 as a transaction fee. You're going to hit OK, and it's going to spin for a minute, and then it's going to send it from my wallet to Joseph's wallet. So that's kind of the, the nuances. I think I'm going to stop there um, for the, this episode. Hopefully that helps you kind of visualize all of these different like, kind of moving parts. Um, it's, this wasn't an episode about vernacular. It's more about like these are the kind of the steps that you have to take. I will say, um, you know, another thing that, you know, shout out to uh, Tony and a couple others in the Discord. Um, I know that we're asking about like buying an ENS name. Um, it, it is actually not as scary as it might look. Uh, if you just go to, you know, ENS, uh, uh, I think it's, ENS, what is it? Domains.ENS. Uh, let's see. I'll pull it up while I'm here for a sec real quick. It's, um, it's yeah, ENS.domains. Uh, 
you can buy like what is referred to as kind of like a short domain. It's much like a website address. And I own a lot of them, right? Like the, the, for this podcast, I have mint365.eth. I have nft365podcast.eth. I have ADHDcoin.eth. I have, I have a whole bunch of them. But if you want to get one, because what you can do is you can attach it to one wallet and then you don't have to send someone your full wallet number, your full wallet address. I can actually just tell you, send it to fanzo.eth. And the way that the system knows is they know fanzo.eth is associated with Brian's MetaMask wallet, right? If you sent something to the mint365.eth address, it's actually associated with my Rainbow wallet. So we go to a different place. So that's kind of the ENS side. Um, You just have to kind of go through and register it. And then you have to confirm which wallet that you want it to be um, uh, associated with. So I hope that helped. Uh, I, I just want to thank everybody for listening. I love all these comments. I mean, we've done 50 episodes, my friends. This is so much fun. Thank you guys for coming on the ride with me. Thank you for being part of this entire journey. And I'll leave you guys this. You know, another use case for NFTs is just us bonding and learning technology together. It's kind of what we were doing here on the show. So till tomorrow, my friends, make it a good one. The show is not financial advice.